We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway! Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're on the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. Jason, we're talking about the Bulls loss to the New York Knicks, 113-94. Bulls lose. Uh, it was a game that the Knicks dominated for, for the majority of the game. The Knicks came out and completely controlled the first quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, they turned it into a beatdown. Uh, the Bulls had absolutely no answer for Julius Randle in this one. The Bulls, on a night when they learned that Zach Levine might miss another week, we thought he could be coming back a little sooner than that. Uh, I felt like this was a game where the Bulls really could have used Zach Levine. There yeah. was basically just no on-ball creation in terms of the offense. I thought the guard play looked pretty weak in general, and uh, just not a lot of cohesion for the Bulls either. So Bulls lose. Uh, the Wizards are about to beat the Lakers, though the Lakers have made this a nine-point game with five and a half minutes left. The Wizards uh, were, have been in control of that game most of the night. But assuming the Wizards do hold on and win, the Bulls are going to be two games out of the 10th seed. I think the Bulls have 10 games left. Is that correct? So, uh, Yes. Uh, this was a big loss for the Bulls. It was absolutely a game that uh, you know would have been huge for them to win in terms of their chase for the last seed in the play-in tournament. But this Knicks team has been red hot lately. Like They did lose their last game, but prior to that, they won nine straight. That loss was to the Suns, who are, of course, second-best team in the league by record in the regular season right now, I think. Uh, the number two seed in the West, if nothing else. So this Knicks team has been playing really well. And, uh, you know, the better team won today. The Bulls looked kind of flat again. And uh, it's just sort of a dispiriting loss for the Bulls. Yeah, I mean, the slow starts, we talked about that, I think, in our last pod. Just the slow starts have been an issue. And they were down 30 to 12, uh, right, like basically right from the very start of this game. Uh, they looked awful. The Knicks' defensive intensity and pressure rotations just c- completely overwhelming the Bulls' offense. Like you said, without Zach out there, uh, they just really just no consistent on ball guard creation. Like Vuce- and Vucevic started poorly. Vucevic ended up being having a monstrous game. Uh, I think he had like 24, 26. He had 26, 18, and three in a couple blocks. 
he start, but he started poorly, and like everyone else, they started O of eight from three. So like that was a disaster. So couldn't hit a three, couldn't really generate anything at the, going at the rim against the Knicks' strong defense, and they're down thirty to twelve. They were able to turn it around a bit. They finally started to hit some threes. Vucevic started to get going. The Knicks' offense kind of went into a rut. The Knicks' bench was really bad. Derrick Rose did not have a good game tonight. Uh, until I guess the fourth quarter, Emmanuel quickly really helped them open up the Knicks open up a lead. But Bulls were able to get in it, and it was it was a one point game going into the fourth quarter, and then just. Uh, the fourth quarter, I mentioned quickly, had had a ridiculous three-pointer, was putting some pressure on the basket, uh, just really opened up the game. And then R.J. Baird, Julius Randle shut the door on any Bulls comeback there at the end. Um, like, I, I I can't say I'm, like, super upset. I mean, the fact that they lost by 20, like, like is obviously kind of disappointing. I was hoping they'd at least make a last run to get close, closer there at the end for some crunch time action again. But, like... I mean, I don't think the, I mean, the Bulls, they they played hard. They kept fighting back. I mean, the Knicks, the Knicks are damn good, man. Like I I tweeted this out right after the game. Like the Knicks are fun. They're relentless. I don't think they're like title contender worthy or anything. I just don't think they have enough offense there. I had a Knicks fan really mad at me for saying for like a backhanded compliment. Like, dude, like it's not a backhanded compliment to say your team is really fun and like relentless and fun to watch. But, uh, uh, they just, they just are. I mean, New Orleans Noel, uh, five, I think five or six blocks, a bunch of deflections. I think three steals, uh, Randall's just having the, the season of his life. Uh, Barrett's been really solid this season. So just like the Knicks are a damn good team. So the Bulls shorthanded losing to them at Madison Square Garden, not surprising, not necessarily surprising. I know like the Bulls are playing for their lives right now. The fact that it did get to a 20 point game basically at the end was a bummer, but like I said, I'm not like super like disappointed or like mad, like uh, that, that they lost. Uh, the Knicks are just really good and they're on fire. They're one of the hottest teams in the NBA right now. So uh, good for them. Good for Tom Thibodeau. Uh, good for Julius Randle and all those guys. And the Knicks fans have a, have a really, really fun team to watch. So good for them as long as they're not dicks about it, which I know when, they, when the Knicks are good, Knicks fans get real crazy. But still. Uh, we're lucky enough to have a couple of guests with us right now. We got Steph and No. Steph, what's going on, man? How are you feeling after that loss? And uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts sort of on just the state of the Bulls right now? Yeah, you know, obviously it's pretty disheartening. I mean, it looks like uh, playoff chances are slim to none at this point. I mean, they can still maybe make the play-in play game, but just winning two in a row to get to the playoffs, it seems seems like it's going to be a pretty uh, uphill climb. And that's just like, uh, I, I see you guys have Kevin in here too. I was kind of following along the timeline with <laughs> Kevin, and I know he was putting – quite a lot of blame on Billy Donovan. I'm going to be uh, kind of the other side here and a little bit of a Donovan apologist. I just feel like this team kind of just ran out of time after this trade. And, you know, they're, they've been, Donovan's been trying some new things. I don't think he's done a good job by any means, but I also don't think that he was the problem. He was the reason why, you know, they haven't been able to make this last push, you know, in, in this game, I saw that, you know, they've, they've kind of changed the defensive coverages a little bit, which I thought was interesting. Like, with Tice and Bad Young, they're uh, they're showing on pick and rolls a lot more instead of just doing this drop and deep drop that we've been used to. And he's experimenting with other stuff too. He's trying to get Patrick Williams more involved. He's you know trying to constantly. Uh, the Bulls really struggle with you know playing these big lineups, just getting the ball in the post. So Donovan's been trying to do more cross screens to try to create entry ways to get the ball in and stuff like that. But they just ultimately. You know, the execution has not been there because they have not had the practice time. There's been a bunch of still, like, miscommunications defensively. So I just think that, um, 
it was kind of optimistic thinking to bring all these new pieces in and think that they could just figure it out in this last stretch and just hasn't happened. So hopefully, you know, they just set this stuff up for next season. So speaking of Donovan, like trying stuff out, what do you think about the three big lineup? Because I feel like Lowry's just like a full-time small forward now. Like, and I feel like tonight I did, I was complimenting Lowry tonight because I thought he played decently well, like uh, guarding RJ Barrett. He did reasonably well. Like I said, he, and he had a, a few nice plays inside, new, a few nice finishes some back cuts. Uh, he had that three point play where he posted up and actually scored over. I think that was Barrett again. Uh, and he had a couple three pointers late. I know his, the plus minus kind of ran out of gas there at the end as they got blown out in the fourth quarter. But, uh, I mean, do you, I, I feel like we all like think like the three big lineup like sucks and it's terrible. I haven't looked at the lineup data. I know it kind of worked against the heat the other night. I know the heat again, were really shorthanded and I feel like you can get away with it in certain times when you're facing just like bum lineups. Uh, but what do you th- like? Do you like him trying that? And like, do, like tonight, I felt like Lowry was at the three, like almost all night. I mean, yeah, it sucks. Like we've, we've seen this experiment with so many different players throughout the years yeah. and it never works. But the reason for that is just because he's handcuffed, you know, like uh, Troy Brown was doing a lot for this team before, even though like Troy Brown, I mean, you know, I, I like him a lot, but he's not like a great NBA player by right. any means, but they just don't have anything at the wing. You know, they have to either play Denzel Valentine, they have to play Larry at the three, or they have to play Sato, and Sato's been kind of ineffective as of late, and Valentine obviously has just been horrendous. So <laughs> this is why like, I'm not putting a lot of blame on Donovan. It's just because he's been so handcuffed by all this stuff. And I actually think that uh, it reflects more on something you guys have been harping on. Uh, it seems like kind of just like bitching about the margins, but it makes a difference that they did not have – uh, very good roster construction on this team, you know, and like other teams that have been in this play in uh, competition, like the Raptors just signed somebody to a 10 day uh, today. And there are other teams that are making moves on the margins. A lot of guys, I think like six guys have been signed to 10 days in the last week and the bulls have not signed anyone. They could really, really use just like a competent veteran to soak up minutes at small forward or point guard positions. And, for whatever reason, they just refuse to do it. So they have like a shortened roster because of injuries and COVID. And they also have like four guys that they just can't play because they're terrible. <laughs> so just, you know, like uh, I saw Justin Jackson just got signed. Like, is that guy good? Like, not really. But is he better than the guys the Bulls have on the roster? Probably. Like, it's probably better playing him than Larry Markin at the three. But uh, I, I think Carter Shows has done like a huge disservice by just not turning over the back end of the roster like we've been complaining about for so long. It's really, uh, you know, they're reaping what they sow by not addressing this problem throughout the year. It makes no sense. And, like, would Felicio still be on this contract on any other team in the league? Like, how do you not just cut bait with him? There was why, no- why was Felicio playing and Dotson was still on the bench at the end of the game? That's what I want to know. Like, he <laughs> yeah. still can't get it over Felicio. Felicio has twice as many minutes played as Dotson this year. It's ridiculous. Yeah, uh, we got Kevin with us here too. Kevin, uh, you entered this chat by saying "season's <laughs> over!" Exclamation mark. It was only a short time ago I was referring to you as C Red Kev on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, life is coming at the Bulls fast. Yeah, I mean, I, I react to new information. Some would say I react too much to new information. <laughs> Uh, but you know, such as um, being a fan and being unable to be totally objective. I, I think Stefan is probably right uh, that Billy's been a bit handcuffed by the fact that the roster is just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, and 
you know, didn't make a ton of sense before the trade deadline and arguably makes less sense um, since, even though it, I think they improved their talent base. But like the fact that um, we've talked about it, you know, in other episodes or whatever, but the they have their three best non-Zach players are all power forwards or centers. And then also there's Lowry Markkinen, who they're still like giving minutes to because, I don't know, I guess they still are trying to determine – what he is or whether he's worth spending any money on this off season. Um, and so, and also they just need bodies, but like, you know, realistically, uh, they just have too, too much, uh, weight in their, in their front court and they just don't have any, um, wings or, or, uh, really good creative guards that can, uh, apply rim pressure, especially with Zach out. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I do think that there are some things, uh, and I've talked about them on Twitter and, you know, on, on the podcast before, but like with Billy, where I just feel like his, um, I don't know, some of his decisions don't really make any sense. The fact that they don't have a rim, any kind of rim pressure and he refuses to even try Dotson is kind of weird to me. Like if you're going to go like weird enough to give, uh, Lowry Markkinen minutes at the three like why not just try Dotson like play a three a three guard lineup I think honestly that would be better than um the Lowry at the three minutes although he he did okay I guess when he was against RJ Barrett because uh he was able to kind of bully him and muscle him a little bit um but that's the other thing is I just the things lately that have been driving me crazy and part of it I guess goes back to Donovan's like tendency to want his just mold his offense to whatever makes his guys most comfortable, which I mean, it's kind of understandable. And I think that's why players really like him, but like, because the bulls have nothing but like big guys, especially with Zach out, they just like every time down, it feels like if they don't um, flow into transition offense or like semi transition, like the double drag screens that they like to run, if they don't do that, then they just like flow into the guard standing around the perimeter, popping the ball around, looking for an entry pass. Uh, and like, they'll have like guys posted up on both blocks and it looks like something out of like 1999. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, and then like, then they have Lowry playing the three and also posting up. And like, it's a little bit different just because like uh, Vooch and Tice can shoot threes. Um, and Thad can kind of not really. I mean, he's, he, he missed them pretty badly today, but uh, I just, there's things things that uh, Donovan does that kind of like make me scratch my head, and I just think that like the other thing is is that even though the roster hasn't been you know isn't great, I just also think that like the the fact that their turnover rate has been so high, you know you can attribute some of that to like roster I guess because they don't really have a a, a true creator, so you've got Kobe and Zach being asked to do more than they're really capable of in that regard. Um, but I don't know like. I I look at the Knicks and like they're just not that much more if at all more talented than the Bulls are and they just beat the Bulls ass and have been beating people's ass all year and it's like that's the difference between like a great coach and like Billy Donovan who's fine I guess and um, the Bulls had a chance to to uh, do a a thorough uh, coach search but they treated Billy Donovan like he was a great coach and he's not that I don't think he's that and I don't think most people in the league that I like you know, I talked to some people that are connected in the league and nobody seemed like, I don't know, wow, that was a home run hire. Um, but they acted like, or, or they, they treated him and pursued him like he was, you know, Phil Jackson coming off of 
the back-to-back three-peats. The bar was so low. <laughs> yeah, I just – I don't know. It, so I get, that's part of why I get frustrated with Donovan. But I, I do agree with Steph and w- with some of the things you guys have said about Karnaschovas. Like not turning over the back end of that roster, um, still having Felicio on the roster, not waving him uh, is just – inexcusable to me I mean, that, um, it has to be ownership though right like I mean, there's no way ak is like yeah i want this guy on my team i mean that's got to be an ownership thing right that they're like you just can't buy him out like, yeah but i mean ultimately uh i mean it is it could be an ownership thing and you know that sucks but like that's also part of the job of the gm is yeah. to be like hey we we need bodies and yeah. we need to sign an additional guy to a to a minimum contract here to to try to bring in you know somebody that can help us on the wing because we're we're just getting slaughtered. But um, I, I meant it when I when I said the season's over. I mean, I, don't, I just don't realistically see a path to them making the the play in now, given uh, the murderers row that they have down the stretch um, and the fact that they're two games back now with ten to go. Um, so I, I just I you know I don't even know what the what the recommendation for that should be other than like, I do want to see Dotson get some burn now that they are all but eliminated. Um, but like, they don't even have like any other young projects to really like throw minutes at because that back of the roster, there's just like, they haven't taken any swings. They've just got guys who are, you know, replacement level players that have no upside because they're like in their prime and they're replacement level guys. Like what is the point of Denzel Valentine or Ryan Archidiakono? Like, you know what those guys are. They're not uh, in a place on the age curve where they're going to get any better. So, like, why are they still here? Yeah, and like, I mean, the, I mean, the, like, Aminu has obviously got that contract and whatever they had to take him because of Vucevic, whatever. I get it. Uh, and like, they had they got Javante Green in that trade, but he's what twenty seven, twenty eight. So like, another guy who's just like whatever. Speaking uh, speaking of the Minu thing, really quickly. I think that like that's like an underratedly bad part of the trade. Like I really liked the trade and I was in on it, but like the more I think about the Aminu thing, um, like the fact that they ate that contract and still gave up basically three first round picks if you uh, consider Wendell still like a prospect, like that's pretty bad. Um, you know, I know Vooch was under contract for two more years, but like if you compare that to like what the Bulls did, I mean, uh, what the Nuggets gave up for Aaron Gordon. Um, who has like been a perfect fit for them? Uh, they barely gave up anything, and the Bulls gave up two picks. And I know that they're protected, but like two picks um, and Wendell, who you know, he I don't think Wendell's going to be great or anything, but he's you know going to be a you know a, a, a starting level big man I think uh, going forward. And they they did that and had to eat the Aminu contract. It's just like I don't know. <laughs> it seems seems like a lot. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, <laughs> I It's tough because it's easy to like sort of have a referendum on the trade after every single game based on if they win or lose. Yeah. And I Kevin doesn't want to do that. But, I mean, I agree. They definitely did give up substantial assets to get Lucevich. Part of that was to make the play-in tournament this year, I think, so that they could be more appealing to free agents and so they could be perceived as sort of a team on the rise. And instead, what's really the most disappointing thing about the season is it feels like the same garbage as always even though Garpax is gone and that's supposed to be, you know, the end of it. But obviously the common tie is ownership. And I think that when it comes to things like not turning over the back end of the roster, the only thing that makes sense is that there's something from ownership preventing them or like Karnaschovas feels like it's immoral to cut a guy in the middle of the season. Like it really just doesn't make any sense. Why Archie Diacono and Felicio and even Valentine are still on the roster. So uh, I couldn't agree more with any of those points. And tonight was a game where you saw those flaws in the team exposed. Yeah. I mean, like the Felicia show thing again is like, he's not, he can't play. We know that. And like, uh, it, it only just costs your team money. And it's like, they're like spending a lot of, I mean, it just shouldn't be anything. Like he just shouldn't be there. So like, it does not make any sense. It was like they, the argument was before the trade deadline was that, uh, well, you can use Felicio's, uh, whatever, 8 million as a trade chip. So once you couldn't do that, there's no reason for him to be here. So, like, get rid of him. And, like, tonight, tonight, Billy only played eight guys. I think Archie Giacomo might have gotten, like, one – I think he got one stint in the first half, and he was bad. And uh, he, was in a, he didn't do anything. He, he never does anything. He basically just runs around and tries hard and just doesn't do anything. And, like, uh, I know Troy – again, I know Zach is out. I know Troy Brown is out. But, I mean, we've seen – just with so around the league, we've seen so many teams – I mean, Steph kind of mentioned that, just, like, obviously guys on 10 days coming in. But we've seen teams just, like – missing tons of players just with between just injuries and then COVID stuff and like guys having to go deep into their teams. And like, there've been teams that have been able to handle that because they use the back half of the roster a bit better. So and that, I mean, that's something we've talked about literally since before the season, we were upset about this. So this isn't like hindsight is 2020 stuff. Like this, we were talking about churning this back end of the roster before the season. It hasn't been done. Definitely disappointing given like, I mean, I do, like I said, I do love the boost switch trade. I'd like the trade to get Daniel Tyson, Troy Brown in here. Uh, I know Daniel Gafford and Chandler Hudson are out there like uh, dropping po- or doing posters against the Lakers. That, and by the way, the Wizards did ended up winning. They did not collapse against the Lakers. So it is officially a two, two game uh, margin between the Bulls and Wizards now. Uh, and again, Daniel Gafford and Chandler Hudson, both, had posters on the Lakers. So that was kind of crazy. I know Hutchinson has been terrible and he just, he hasn't really been playing, but Gafford has been great. So I guess good for him. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it is definitely I mean, disappointing. It will be very disappointing if the Bulls do not make this play. And I know like, again, they still can get that lottery look in the top four and I've, and I have kind of just said for the season, you know what, it's kind of fine. Whatever happens, happens. But uh, after you make a tra- trades like that, you do. And they did the Bulls got, and they, they were in that 10 spot and you hope, hope that they would have, uh, made the play and push, and right now it is looking kind of bleak. I'm not. I'm not going to say it, they're totally done just yet. It's only. It is only two games. They do have the tiebreaker. I know the Raptors are also in this mix as well. Uh, and the the Wizards schedule does get a little bit tougher coming up here. Before uh, I think that they still have the Cavs a couple more times. 
But I know they got to play the Hawks a couple times. I think they play the Pacers a couple times. They also play the Raptors. So I'm mean, just a lot of games against the teams that are like similar teams. A lot of these teams in the in the East are just kind of the same at this point, especially with guy with teams missing time. Like the Hawks, the Hawks are basically missing like their entire roster. We'll see. Uh, the Bulls play the Hawks on Saturday. We'll see if they get Trey Young back or DeAndre Hunter back. But like uh, they were they were playing a real thin roster tonight against the Sixers. They got Chris Dunn back, and he's been Chris Dunn. You can't hit a damn shot, and he was getting in fights in like a blowout loss. So that was pretty typical. I was just going to ask Stefan, uh, what stung worse tonight, seeing those Gafford and Hutchinson <laughs> down or this Bulls loss? And then anything else you got on your mind? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I want to go back to uh, something that Kevin has on the timeline here. Kevin's timeline is always gold, by the way, if you guys don't follow <laughs> it. But, uh, so it's starting to wonder if literally all the Bulls post-Jimmy young guys have been totally hidden as talents. Due to lack of a primary creator on the roster for the last four years, Zach is the only one who had the juice to make him not matter. So, yeah, uh, you guys mentioned that uh, Hutch had one nice play. I mean, he's been kind of whatever. But Gafford has legitimately been really good for the Wizards. They yeah. love him over there. And Wendell, you know, we've all been following that he's he's been very good for the Magic, too. So, I don't know. I mean, how much of a concern is that for you guys? Like, when those guys got traded at the time, I was just like, whatever, especially with Gafford and – Hutchinson, I mean, I really did not care at all that they were moved. And Wendell, I was always, you know, pretty big fan of, but I didn't think they were really missing out on that much by moving him. But in retrospect, I mean, these moves look like they might be pretty painful. I don't know. Well, um, I, think yeah. Gafford, Go ahead, I think Gafford's benefiting from the Wizards' pace. So, like, yeah. just like the style that the Wizards play, which is the most up-tempo style in the entire league. I think it's just a good fit for Gafford's skill set. So I, that's kind of the reason I think he's seeing more success there. And then, you know, Westbrook and Beal are awesome. Like, Westbrook certainly still attracts a lot of attention, even if uh, he's far from the most efficient player in the league. And just having someone who can also, you know, pass better than anyone on the Bulls, too, I think that that helps. So for sure, I think you're right about that. And then Wendell has been, yeah, he's been a little bit better in – Orlando than he has been in Chicago thus far. Uh, we can talk about how it was a lot to give up, but I mean, we've been talking about the lack of a creator on this podcast since we started it. I feel like, like that's why I was clamoring for them to draft Killian Hayes. Now at this point, I don't know if I would really still want that because Killian Hayes hasn't looked great. Obviously, he's nineteen. Same with Pat. Like he missed a lot of time too. It's too soon to tell with uh, players that young, but. It's obviously when you don't have that primary creator, the biggest need on your roster is primary creator every single time. And maybe the Bulls thought that Kobe was going to, you know, be their swing at that. And they did sort of give him the opportunity to play point guard this year. And uh, if nothing else, he got a lot of reps. But clearly he's still far, far away from being able to handle that level of responsibility on a possession by possession basis. So. I think that that's a valid concern. There's no doubt it's the biggest flaw in the team. Uh, it has been since they traded Butler. So uh, I still don't know if I'm like, wow, the Bulls really lost out in something in Daniel Gafford. If anything, the Bulls should have drafted Taylor Horton Tucker with that second round pick, and that's what they lost out on. But I, I do think that there's there's reasons that you know Gafford in particular has been so good. But uh, yeah, what do you? Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I think just the rim pressure that Russ and Beal can put on a defense, pick and roll stuff, that's just like tailored made for Gafford to be good. Rim runner can catch lobs, and you're getting lobs like galore from those guys. I mean, you're going to look a lot better. I mean, Gafford had his moments in Chicago, but then there were also plenty of times where he 
he fucking stunk. So like, I know there was like the whole like whatever start Gafford moving again. There were like some games where he was really good, and there was a lot of times where he didn't know what the hell he was doing defensively, and he was out of position, chasing blocks, and offensively without that good lead pick and roll guard, he just doesn't. He can't really do much else. Uh, so he just wasn't that effective offensively either. So like again, he's in like a perfect role for him, like you said. Uh, he's a nice. I think he's a nice bench energy guy. Uh, I'm glad. Like, I think the trade that trade is still fine. Daniel Tice is good. We'll see if they can keep him. Daniel Tice around. I think Troy Brown could be a nice piece for next season, going into the fourth year of his rookie deal. Uh, so I don't think. And, and then obviously Hutchinson's not any good. Uh, so I'm not. I'm not really. I don't think they're like missing out on some superstar player in Daniel Gafford. He is a great energy big. We thought that when he was in Chicago. He is that now, and he looks better now playing with two just like all-star level stud guards who can put a lot of pressure on the defense. And in terms of Wendell, like I'm looking, I just pulled up Wendell's numbers right now. I mean, uh, they look pretty similar to what they were in Chicago. I know it's like it's hard, maybe harder to judge Wendell in Orlando because there's just like so bereft of talent in Orlando now. But like, I mean, even then, maybe you'd say, well, maybe he should be putting up bigger numbers so far, like in April, averaging 14, like 15 and nine. Under two assists per game, he's shooting 54%, still can't make threes, still barely takes threes. Uh, under a block a game. I know, like, obviously, I'm just looking at the base level numbers here, but, and you can, you can look at a lot of other things for impact. But, like, I mean, just on the surface, he's just kind of been the same dude. So, like, I'm not, I, I, I think, like I said, Kevin said, he's probably going to be like a, he is a solid starter level, maybe like board, like really nice bench center. He's I don't think gonna be enticed one day. I think. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that sounds about right. Like, yeah, I think that's a, yeah. that's a decent comparison. It just, I, I want to jump in the uh, since Stefan was like <laughs> was qu- quoting what I said. I I just think that like I'll, I'll use that to like explain a little bit more of what I was thinking about. Like, it wasn't so much Wendell because like it's hard to compare Wendell now because. He's on another team that doesn't have a primary creator. Yeah. Um, doesn't have anybody that really can apply rim pressure um, in in a consistent sort of way. Um, you know, Cole Anthony is uh, he, he's pretty good, but I don't think he gets to the rim. Um, and he's also a rookie, so like you know, whatever. Uh, so that roster is you know, there's no real lead creators on that roster either. But like, I was just thinking specifically about Gafford, and then like, I remember I looked at some numbers. A while back, and I don't know uh, if this is held up this year or whatever, but I just remember I looked at numbers from last season, and it was like Lowry's uh, shooting percentage on passes from like uh, Sato and um, you know I think it was Sato and Zach were really good, and then like from or no it was a uh, it was Sato and, and uh, Chris Dunn both like his percentages on threes. Um, you were getting into like relatively small samples, but like for both of them, it was really good. And then like passes from Kobe and Zach, he his shooting percentage was terrible. Um, and it just made me think that like uh, I wonder what Lowry would be if he, you know, he is obviously a very dependent player. But like, what does his confidence look like um, if he, you know, uh, is playing with guys that can get him, but like playing with a Chris Paul or somebody like that, they can get, you know, uh, you know, like that, uh, a hall of fame point guard, <laughs> somebody that can get him the ball, like in his spots, um, in, in his shooting pocket consistently. And then somebody like, you know, Gafford, uh, yeah. I mean, Russell Westbrook is like, uh, kind of the king of the, the lay down pass as he like barrels to the, to the rim and just gets guys a ton of easy dunks that way. Um, like he always looks like he's completely out of control, but he's actually a, quite a good passer especially to big guys he, his passes out 
uh, to three-point shooters tend to be a little bit more wild, I think. Um, but Gafford kind of can catch anything and uh, tries to dunk everything, so he's like kind of a perfect fit with with Westbrook. And um, and then yeah, I mean Kobe, he's like such a good catch and shoot guy, um, and he's actually I, I feel like he's maybe this has just been like um, highlight bias or whatever, but like I feel like you know he's had some defensive highlights late in the you know games the last I don't know three or four games where he makes a, a help rotation that it's like oh Kobe. He knew where he was supposed to be and like made a play. Uh, yeah, he had and, a nice block of uh, Nerland's tw- Noel tonight. That was yeah. very surprising. <laughs> yeah, and so it's just like I don't know. Like Kobe is obviously not a guy that you want running your offense, but I think that like as a catch and shoot guy, that like you you limit his decision making. Like he's a again like it just feels like they overdrafted all these guys to be role guys, and maybe they would look better um, as role guys, and maybe would have developed differently you know, confidence and all of that if they had been uh, put into smaller roles to begin with and then, you know, allowed to grow. Um, I, I think I've, I talked to you guys about this, I think, um, in the group chat before, but like, when I think about like the best development stories and like, obviously there's some bias here because like uh, Jimmy developed under Tibbs, who's a great coach and good at development. And, um, you know, Kawhi developed under, uh, under the Spurs, but like in both cases, they went to teams that were already really good. Um, and they started with like a relatively small role and then sort of grew into the superstars that they would become. And they had to like actually earn minutes and, uh, earn the ability to like expand their role. Whereas like, I don't know, I feel like guys that are on like the, uh, um, on the bubble of like whether they can be that guy, uh, or not when they first come into the league, or like there's some question about whether they're a role player or a future star. Like I feel like starting them in the smaller role, allowing them to build their confidence and then expand up um, is maybe, I don't know, uh, maybe we've just seen the bad side of it and, and I'm overreacting to that. But but I just feel like maybe it's the, the better way to, to handle guys uh, who aren't obvious superstars coming in like a Zion, a Luca, or Lamelo. Yeah, I mean, I think that is fair. I'm- Especially, I mean, just especially when we see like all these young guys playing together, it's kind of can be hard for you don't have like really good players around them, and you're trying to get all these young guys to develop together, and it just uh, when they're, you're missing that real stud player uh, out front, that uh, can be tough. So yeah, I, I, I think there's at least something to that because again, we saw this year with the Bulls. I mean, even this year like, when they were running all those young young lineups, like full young lineups, I mean, they were awful. They were getting their ass kicked all the time. So uh, I, I think there's at least something to what you're saying, for sure. Um, and I just wanted to say two two positive things. I feel like uh, partly because the, uh, almost every live episode of Cash Considerations this year has been come after a loss. I think there's only <laughs> been one that hasn't. So we've always kind of been like in... It's actually two. <laughs> uh, okay. You guys are up to two, two wins. Good. Uh, but I just feel like we're generally, uh, you know, coming coming into these things with a, a negative sort of um, outlook, or at least I feel like I am. Uh, don't want to speak with, for other people, but like uh, I, I just think that uh, the two takeaways that I have is like Vooch is great. He's really he's really awesome. Um, it, maybe it was too much to give up for him when you also factor in Aminu, um, and the the pick could could hurt as the Bulls continue to slide here. Um, but he, he's legitimately like amazing and consistent and really fun to watch. And, uh, I think also the stuff that I was talking about with respect to Zach is like, 
uh, it's just all the more impressive how much growth he's been able to have in like a really terrible developmental context and coming off of, you know, he tore his ACL and he was like a guy that relied um, and still relies, frankly, uh, a decent amount on his bounce. But he's like his craft and everything else has, has gone through the roof. Um, and I, I think that, you know, shouting out uh, Zach and, and Booch and, uh, and Tice, I mean, Tice, we we're, you know, saying how good Daniel Gafford looks, but I'd still rather have Daniel Tice. I think the only thing is, is you know, I think they got him for this uh, playoff push because he's only under contract for this right. year. You know, it'll be tough to, to bring him back. And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't look like that's going to uh, pay any, any real dividends. But I like having him on the team, and he's, he's fun to watch, even though the referees, uh, as Celt- uh, weird Celtics Twitter told us. Uh, we're on Tice. The, they they really hate Tice. He he got whacked three different times by Julius Randle today, uh, and then got called for a tech for rightfully complaining about it. So missed, didn't get his two free throws, and had to give up another free throw going the other way. And then they did the same thing to Billy Donovan after uh, Kobe got whacked in the face and got no call. I, so. I am glad I am glad you brought that up because the refs were really bad tonight, and I think I think it was mostly in the Knicks' favor. There was, oh no, absolutely. Yeah, like. I like I'm not like one of these guys that complains about the rest all the Same. time, but like the the whistle in favor of the Knicks, and uh, you know, Stacy pointed it out, uh, or maybe it was uh, Adam Amin. I, I don't remember which one said it, but you know, the the Knicks do have this reputation for playing physically, and so the rest let them get away with more. But like the the whistle was completely lopsided, and then when the Bulls complained uh, again about calls that were that were legitimately missed. They got hit with text. And it yeah. was just like it was a uh, six point swing at one point when yeah. I no, was, they were they were up by seven at one point and then like six points of that were due to missed calls and technicals related Ty, to the Tice calls. went up for a dunk, got fouled, at least it seemed like it was a blatant foul, no call, and then other end, RJ Barrett hits a three, Tice gets teed up, free throw. So that's that is a six point swing right there. Because I think it was yeah. like a, I think and it was then, like a two and, or three point and, game at that point. And then it was a couple plays later that Kobe got whacked in the face by RJ Barrett and yeah. didn't, didn't get a call. And then Billy got te- uh, yeah. teed up for that. So they they were right in the game. And then um, you know that uh, that that was kind of the point of the game where it started to get away from them. Um, they fought back into it again, but you know they just uh, ran didn't out of gas. The, didn't have the juice. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I thought they were refereeing tonight. Um, you know, the Bulls have a lot larger problems than that, but the refereeing tonight was also really horrible. Yeah. The, I mean, the Knicks are very physical. I mean, the Nerlens are well, super handsy. You mentioned like Randall, very physical. And yeah, they let them play. And there, I mean, there were some, uh, there was like, there were, and there was some like some weak calls on the Bulls too. There was a one, I think they called Thad for like a week over the back, like super late. The guy called it off. Yeah. Like that was the same court. guy that, uh, that missed the, the Tice call. Was that Courtney Kirkland? Yeah, I think I was yelling yeah. at him on my timeline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. That's not the reason why the Bulls lost. They lost by 20 points. So like the, the Knicks dominated them in the fourth quarter, but I mean, they definitely swung momentum a couple times and maybe the game would have at least been closer, uh, down the stretch of some of the, like those just huge swings with no calls and stuff like that. Uh, for sure. Um, you also brought up Zach. I, I guess that's what is I'm like, I have no idea even what the COVID protocols are these days, because after this game, this will be two weeks, but now it sounds like he's going to be out another week. So and, uh, I, I, what is even the deal with it? I, I'm very I, confused I, about it all. I have a theory about this. Uh, and it's based on my, my, uh, some of my family members getting COVID. Um, and, uh, so I think Ricky told me that, uh, Cowley had reported that, um, 
that Zach does in fact have COVID. Yeah. Um, they tested so, positive. Yeah. So what my thought is is that they uh, the initial two weeks out was based on an exposure, and then probably a week in he tested positive, which resets the okay. uh, the two week window that you have to wait before you can you know before you're not contagious anymore. So I think that's what's going on. Um, it was funny to see Zach being like, "These protocols are BS." <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, he probably feels good, but he's he's uh, he's testing like he, he. It sounds like he's not having a lot of symptoms, but he's he's tested positive, and so he's uh, could be spreading it uh, uh, at least um, for another week. So they're I, keeping him out. Yeah, but I that's thought what I, I saw that happened. he. Yeah, I thought I saw that he was vaccinated. Like the, the team went and got vaccinated. And I thought someone. I saw some report that he had been vaccinated, and then it came out. Shortly after that, he had tested positive. I thought maybe he didn't get it. Uh, and now, you know, he, I wonder if he just, yeah, he's like keeps testing positive, even though he's like totally fine or he says yeah. he's fine. And now, yeah, you said it's like restarting the clock because I just assumed to do whatever the two week thing and he'd be back for Friday against the Bucks. And now it sounds like he's going to miss another like three or four games. Like, uh, and who knows when he'll actually be back. And that's just, it's just like a huge bummer. I obviously just yeah. for the, for the team making this play in push and like just getting more more time with Vucevic, even if they do fall short, like it just sucks. And it's just, it's just a huge bummer. Yeah. And then you look at the upcoming schedule, like you said, Milwaukee on Friday. I mean, if Milwaukee's guy is playing that game, that's just going to be a total beatdown. Then they're at Atlanta. They're home versus Philly. They're at Charlotte on May 6th. Who knows if Charlotte might start to get some of their guys back by then. Uh, then they got Boston. So the Bulls' end-of-season stretch here is pretty brutal. I was looking at the last four, which is Brooklyn, Toronto, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, thinking, well, maybe those teams will be resting their guys at that point. But, uh you know, at a certain point, the Wizards are playing well enough and the Bulls are losing ground. And, yeah, it really feels like the Bulls are – they have zero margin for error yeah. at this point moving forward. And the schedule is really tough. So, Yeah, I mean, this weekend is this weekend is obviously big. I mean, Milwaukee, Hawks – I mean, I guess you, like, pray for a split and you maybe hope for the Wizards. Like I said, the Wizards play the Cavs Friday. You, like, hope that they get upset or something. I'm not sure. I haven't looked at their exact – dates of schedule after that but like this weekend both of a back-to-back like if they lose both of those like it'll certainly feel like it's over with there'd be what eight games left and they'd probably be three four games back at that point like so this weekend i think they gotta at least i guess win one of these games probably to feel decent about maybe still having a chance here at the end i'm already uh, i'm already on to 2022 i'm I'm, (laughs) I'm going i'm going bill belichick we're we're on to next year (laughs) Uh, they are totally out of it uh at the End of these next couple games, I would ask you guys uh, when they do play the Nets. Uh, one guy that I've been really interested in the Bulls signing potentially next year is Mike James. I don't know if you guys have been watching him at all, but we've talked so much about their need to get this rim pressure and a good point guard. I mean, he's on a ten day. He's been awesome. He's a legit MVP uh, contender for Euro League. So. Uh, another guy that was before. just out there. It's, 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 yeah, another I mean, guy that was just him. out there that they could have gotten it, in, if they just cut Felicio. The the Mike James news cycle was like crazy. I think that was last week where it was like every day we got like a new update on Mike James likely signing with the Nets literally like a week straight. And then they finally signed. And was he's, yeah, who so was they, he? They should look at him. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Was he with the Suns a few years ago? I can't remember yeah. who he was actually with. And I feel like he'd like made like a little noise. Like he wasn't great, but he said, I mean, guard, yeah, just guards that could put the ball on the floor and actually uh, attack the rim at all would be, it would be nice. So yeah, not a bad idea. Um, I think we should probably wrap it up here. 
Uh, we've been going for a while. Steph, you have any final thoughts here before we uh, finish up here? It was great to have you on. Great to have you joining a, a locker room for the first time. Uh, so any, any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, two thoughts. One, props to Locker Room for finally getting Android support. I was waiting <laughs> to join you guys for a very long time. So thank you to their team over there. And the second one was uh, before this game started, uh, I had a little message on Twitter about uh, Jonathan Sharks. It's been um, – I know you guys mentioned it at the beginning of your last podcast, but, I mean, it's just uh, it's a pretty tough story over there. So his wife is giving updates over – at a blog i have the link there if people are interested and also there's some ways there to support the family so uh charks is like an awesome human being is really upsetting what's going on over there but if you guys can support the family in any way then i would strongly encourage you to do so thanks for saying that yeah charks is a i i can't claim to be as tight with uh, charks as as Ricky, um, but he, every time I've interacted with him, uh, you know, I consider him, uh, you know, uh, an online pal. Um, but he's, uh, you know, was always encouraging of me back when I used to write more and, uh, you know, just very, uh, just nice, nice, kind guy. And uh, just a really, that, that news was, uh, I think, hard for, for everybody that, that even knows John a little bit. Yeah, it's it's really tough. And if you've read the updates uh, on his website, you know, it's it's just a really dispiriting situation. So we're really hoping John can come through, send in all the positive energy we can to John. And even beyond that, if you you know want to send the family some money, you can do that. Uh, as Stefan said, they post a link of ways you could help them. So uh, everyone check that out. I appreciate Stefan making that. A uh, little plug right there. So, yeah, we can uh, we can wrap up with that, Chase. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for the yeah. Thanks for that shout out. Thank thank you guys for joining us. I know it's another rough game. Uh, our locker rooms have not always been the most fun, but uh, always great uh, chopping it up with you guys. So that'll do it for us here at Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. Please go check out all the other great pods across the Blue Wire Network. Blue Wire has been blowing up. We got stuff coming to Vegas. We have all these great new shows. So shout out to them for us at Cash. As always, please rate and review us give us those five star ratings or let us know how we're doing please leave comments feedback you know where to find us on twitter i'm at bulls underscore j ricky is at 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 sbn underscore ricky uh and again we wherever you listen to your podcasts we're on apple Podcasts, stitcher spotify google play all those good places so for jason and ricky this has been cash considerations hr bulls podcast again bulls got tough tough back to back this weekend not sure when we're going to record next but probably sometime early next week after those couple games so uh we'll talk to you guys next time Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire 
to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.